Also, languages change, and now they're just elves and dwarves. I'll shut up now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I am Zach. Gentlemen, what's going on? Anything cool, exciting, fun? Zach, are you lost in another video game? What's up? Uh, unfortunately, I went too deep on the Steam Summer Sale, so... Uh-oh. I'm currently uh, just rotating daily through stuff I didn't need to play. But it was like 99 cents. So what'd you get? There's a lot of Oh, man, there's so much stuff. I got two Castlevania games. I got Disco Elysian, which I tried to start and immediately was like, this is just too much for me. Nolan, did you fall victim to the Steam Summer Sale? Uh, I did. I ended up picking up uh, the Dragon Age. I guess you could call it a trilogy. Uh, and then ended up in accident. One of the packages came with Mass Effect Andromeda. Um Pick those up, and then I picked up another game called uh, Epoch Rising or something like that. And look, it's a uh, it feels like a Diablo two game that's in alpha and has mm. a lot of potential. Um, there's just no multiplayer yet, but it's massive skill trees, and you have like five chain starting classes. So say you pick a shaman, and it moves into, or you pick a druid, then you move into like shaman or elementalist or stormlord. So it has kind of that D and D subclass feel. Um, and then yeah, just massive talent tree. But I think uh, it was nice to pick that up on alpha or, and that's about it. Uh, Crowfall came out. I still haven't played it. Uh, and then the new raid for wow came out. And so got to dip my toes in it. So it's been busy gaming week. Well, finally came out, huh? I don't play WoW, but those are big deals, right? It's yes and no. I've played it long enough to be jaded about everything, so I can just talk about <laughs> negativity all the time. Here, here's the premise of the story right now, and I'm struggling with the most because uh, a guy named the Jailer who runs the Shadowlands has taken over everything, um, and apparently he was banished to the Maw, which is the bad place because of his grasp of power because each faction in Heaven has like their own power right and he wanted all the power to go see what the first one saw and in the grand scheme of things uh the sigils which are five of uh, are held by each house order and in grabbing all said uh we'll, we'll, to make it label we'll call it soul stones and when thanos gets all five soul stones he's going to remake the unit i mean the jailer gets all five sigils he's going to remake the world so there i don't know and then and then the big bad guy who's on the inside if perhaps loki i mean sylvanus switches sides and helps us in the end uh we may have a shot of getting ahead of Th i mean the jailer and so yeah i'm a little jaded I've seen this story before. Marvel did it great. Wow, not so much. That's hilarious. You play through the game and you see that stuff, and now all you can see is Thanos grabbing soul stones. You're welcome, and I'm sorry they did that to you. It wasn't me. This is probably the first year in my lifetime that I have succumbed to the Steam Summer Sale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I recently, a couple things. Uh, first, I bought Dark Alliance. I wanted to try it. Uh, it seemed like it was up my alley. And, you know, as many negative things as I've heard about it, the game's actually pretty fun. Uh, I did, at your suggestion, Nolan, I picked up a controller, uh, which definitely makes it way easier to play the game. Uh, and I, and I've, had, I've had a good time. I, you're right. The goblins chattering are hilarious. 
did a so, good job of yeah. taking, I don't know. I don't know, taking a taking a piss out of it. You know what I mean? Like I guess that's the 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 term that they do. Like you know, for as much as Dritch Dritz can be an edgelord emo, like sad sack or whatever, like just listen to them talk smack to him. Um, and they did a good job with the characters too. Uh, the advertising's been good. I, I, th- I don't know. I think it's a, it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be serious. Like this isn't right. a, a world-ending event where everybody's going to burn to the ground if you don't say. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a hack and slash, and you go through, and the job is to murder things and make some sweet combos. More of a God of War style thing, and yeah, it's. <laughs> It, it it needs a good patch, but I enjoyed it more so than most, I think. So I'm happy you are too. I keep waiting to hear the combo breaker. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> at some point, like, as you're trying to string together combos, it definitely has a killer instinct feel to it. But it's fun. I mean, it, it really is. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I haven't played it a lot. but And it's kind of funny because, like I said, I succumbed to the Steam Summer Sale. So I was playing that. And as I, you know, I'm sitting here looking at my laptop, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got a gaming laptop. I need to see what else I should be playing on here besides WoW or Diablo or, or Dark Alliances. So previously, when I was on my Mac, I had purchased Warhammer Total War 2. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder. So I logged into Steam and son of a bitch if I couldn't download it for Windows 2. And I fired that thing up and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> And because yeah, of the summer one. sale, yeah, because of the summer sale, there's a lot of DLCs that are discounted. There's a, a lot, lot of stuff that's free. So I'm like, I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll take that. Now, yeah. I only spent like 20 bucks, but yeah, I'm pretty that's, excited. I And I think that would be the big thing to say there. I think I spent $34 and I picked up four or five games and I've played them before, but they were like on Xbox. And anytime I yeah. go and plug in the old Xbox, you know, the kids want to hook up the old connect. You know what I mean? Like. Now I've got it here. I've, you know, it's one of those things of like, I'm looking forward to it. I also realized that I just picked up about 360 hours worth of games for that $34 that yeah. <laughs> I look at it from November and December sale where I still have probably about another 500 hours of games because I picked up the Witcher for 99 cents or whatever it was. And yeah. so it's like, it's like someday the internet will be down and you will come in handy. I will have you downloaded and I won't need you and I will just continue to game. So. Yep. So I think I, what I'm going to do is come the fall sale or the, the Christmas sale, whatever it is, I'll probably go ahead and pick up the rest of the DLCs for Total War Warhammer 2. The game is fun. I'm playing Dark Elves. I've just really played through uh-huh. the intro stuff. I haven't done a whole lot with it. Um, but it is, I mean, I love Total War. I love Total War Shogun. I love Shogun 2. Uh, I never played yeah. the Rome ones, but I'm excited to be playing it. I need, I, I need to jump back in. Because there was a lot of like, I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and do this. But the problem is that the best thing to do is just play High Elves and get 20 dragons. Because nothing can beat that. Also, it's That's hilarious. an option? Yeah, if you've got the money for it, you can just have like Emmerich on his dragon with a stack of other dragons. And you just auto-select all and then you select Fire Breath and whatever it is, it's gone now. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Maybe I'll restart that, the game. And that's a lot more fun than like trying to manage lines of spearmen so you can swing your cavalry around from the back. It's like, I'd rather just hit them all with dragons. I mean, if that's an option, yeah. you always choose dragons. You should always, Fuck you should always yeah, you dragons. do. <laughs> or, or lizardmen, where you can just have Aztec dinosaurs riding larger dinosaurs. 
Warhammer is so dope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally in all the way on all of this. <laughs> All right, so this week we are kind of kicking off a couple of weeks of looking at the RPG game, uh, Changeling the Grieving, Changeling, wow, fucking hell. You know, this happens every time I get going and I just can't talk. We are looking at the game Changeling the Dreaming, 20th Anniversary Edition from Onyx Path. Changeling is one of the original World of Darkness games, and we thought it might be interesting to take a look at it in some depth. But before we do that, of course, we do need to look at the news. So in Dungeons and Dragons, there's not a whole lot of news coming out. I know there's some stuff with uh, Dungeons and Dragons Live. I saw Patton Oswalt had signed on to play a character. B. Dave Walters is DMing that game, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm not one that has really jumped into a whole lot of D&D Live stuff, but I, I know a lot of folks really enjoy that. So make sure you check that out. I do know that the Adventures in Forgotten Realms Magic the Gathering set is releasing for pre-release next week. I did yesterday pick up some of the cards for it. I was very, like I said, I only wanted to get some cards. So the cards I got were uh, both both Bruner and Dritz, normal and alt art. Any card related to Beholders. There was, there's, <laughs> there's a legendary creature for Xanathar. And I'm like, and it looks slick. I have actually have a picture in the show notes. It looks fantastic. Uh, he's blue-green. He's four other and blue-green. And I just wanted to read this real quick. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. Until the end of the turn, that player can't cast spells. You may look at the top of their library anytime. You may play the top card of their library. You can, or you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast spells this way. And he's a five-six, which is a pretty beefy cre- uh, creature. That's pretty cool. Gotcha. So he's putting them in his anti-magic cone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gotcha. And, and then there was another using, one using telekinesis to look at their cards. Yep. Yep, so it's it's really well done That's for Xanathar. Cool. And the artwork is awesome. Uh, and then I picked up, there's a, a common called Eyes of the Beholder, and it's like target mm-hmm. creature gets minus 11, minus 11. And I'm like, well, shit, yeah, let's do that too. <laughs> right, well. So, yeah, I and I got everything in foil just because, you know, I think at that point you might as well. And I think I, I spent with shipping $24, Xanathar being the most expensive. It looked like stuff was pretty cheap uh, when I was looking at some of that stuff for the early pre-release. And, you know, uh, I've been getting a lot of stuff for it popping out on Arena. Um, And I thought that might be kind of a fun thing to see if they do uh, the graphics or the animations when they attack. You know, like you you play Dritz and you see, you know, Guinevar, you know, peer from shadow. And, you know, so I thought some of that stuff might be kind of interesting to see in a digital format. Most of the cards I've seen are just memes. Just like there's a card split the party. And yep. you, you send half, I think, of a player's total controlled creatures back to their hand. Just yeah, power word kill. It's it's a lot of memes, which I'm yeah. into. I can go for it. I did see that the Forgotten Realms commander decks will have some of the other Icewind Dale heroes. I've seen Wolfgar and Caterbury so far. I'm going to go ahead and pick those up. And of course, if they drop a Regis, I'll grab him as well. I, I, I wouldn't mind having just the, the Icewind Dale heroes, just a little set of them. It's just something I do. Uh, so that, that'll be fun once those come out. Nolan, are you planning on picking up any singles from this set? I might. I'm hoping, what was it when they did the uh, alternate Planeswalker Comic-Con type stuff? Um, you know, sure, like for that San Diego there. Comic-Con? Yeah, I'm hoping they'll, 
I don't necessarily, I, I think the cards are neat, but I'm hoping they'll put together a poster of some sorts, uh, something like that. Like, I think that'd be a cool print to see the companions of the hall, like just across a banner or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of what neat. I was thinking about would be kind of fun, but. Well, I did, like I said, those alternate arts they've shown for Dritz and Bruner, I did pick those up and they were very inexpensive. I think the the Dritz one was like $3.99 and the Bruner one was even cheaper than that. Uh, amazingly, Bruner is not a mythic rare, which surprised me, but well, that's fine. He should have been. I mean, he, he might come back from the dead a lot, but he also got killed a lot. So what? He's, he's a dwarf. That's what I'm playing in Dark Alliance. I, so I guess, um, again, like I'm magic illiterate. Do they release like a list of all available cards? Or is there just like, like there's a master list and they're like, yeah, here it is. Go nuts. Or do they have cards that like no one knows about until they open the pack and they're like, no, oh, it's Artemis. No, they do do keep it. They do keep it quiet. It is, uh, you'll see spoilers coming out beforehand, but once it hits the retail shop, they usually like, I'm sure Mike has boxes of it now, but he can't sell it until it Mm -hmm. releases. And so they go through and up. He's had them before, before launch day. And that's how like Star City Games will have it and you can pre-order it because they will open 15 cases and have a bunch of singles and sell the singles. So in the way that works is depending on the, the size of your store, you will get X amount early. Mike is small enough that he'll get them the week of release. He usually gets them like the Tuesday or Thursday before release and release is always on Friday. So he'll have like he'll probably have because pre-release is next week. He'll get the pre-release stuff on Thursday. He'll have three to six, which about a case worth of boxes. Um, but he won't be like you said, he won't be able to sell them. Uh, and that's that's actually been an issue in the past with some online retailers where they're selling the pre-release stuff or the they're pre-selling a lot of stuff early and then shipping early, which has caused a lot yeah. of issues with other stores. But that's that's a whole different subject. But no, Nolan is not incorrect here. Uh, yes, a lot of stores get these early, and that's why they're able to send them out. And, and Star City Games, I'd imagine, gets cases of cases, you know? Yeah, whatever they want. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so there's not, there's not like a surprise. Like no. someone's gonna Like someone's going to open a pack and be like, what the hell is this creature? It costs one mana, and it's 10-10, and people are going to like, no, we didn't know that that existed. Or it's like, here's the list. The packs come out go buy them right uh you might the surprise is like sometimes like in this case they're doing these alternate full uh uh non-bordered cards so the surprise is you might Mm. get an alternate art edition of a card uh like one of the beholder cards has an alternate art edition that i liked far better than the um the regular one so i picked it up Mm. uh however i know in 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 sets past like uh um Oh, gosh. Zendikar Rising. We had things called um, expeditions, which were special foils that were randomly inserted at a very low rate into packs that you could get that were special cards. But for the most part, like Nolan said, they spoil it. Usually when you get to the week of pre-release, you know every card that's going to be in the set. Okay. Yeah, you see a lot of the big places. I know like they'll... They'll they'll print the list of what's coming, and then that way, I think a big well, I don't know if it's competitive wise or whatnot, but you'll see those guys sit there and start playing with proxies and and that kind of stuff, so they can get a feel for it, so they can test it for launch week when they walk in and be like, okay, I know this card is really good, I'm going to add it day one. Yeah, yep. makes sense. Yep, and like the pros, um, when we had big pro tours and stuff, even like when it was release day for these sets, they've already played with the cards beforehand. 
Uh, mm. So they know what to like Nolan said, they'll make proxies of the cards and they'll they'll play with them over and over and over again. So when they walk in to sit down to play, they know exactly what to build. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, if you're going to get paid to play magic, I suppose you're going to want to be able to have the, the, the most knowledge going in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not going to use it, you need to know how to play against it. So. Yep, exactly. So so that is coming up uh, next week, next Friday, if I'm not mistaken, or next Saturday, sorry. I feel, although I think you can do stuff on a Friday as well. I know our store will be doing some pre-release. I don't think I'll be involved in it. I haven't done a pre-release in a long time. And, and frankly, sitting in a store that isn't air conditioned doesn't sound too appealing to me, especially since the temperature has been hovering around 100 degrees lately. Uh, and I'm also not going to go too far into this set. I'm still waiting for the Lord of the Rings set, which I've, I'm, I've already told my wife expect to buy a couple of boxes of that one to open one to put away and then i'll be buying you know the those legendary creatures that i like and, and want to have and then of course the commander decks for 40k i will be buying one of each of those and again they'll just get put away yeah. i didn't see a whole lot for D. Uh, that is i mean i know a lot of that was magic related it did tie into D. did you guys see anything else for D? no it looked like everything's just ramping up for live and then yeah I even saw like the the stuff coming out for next week. They were featuring as well. There was a little commercial with a lot of the the live players in a escape room that's D and D themed or whatever. And I was kind of talking about the cards coming out too. So I think we'll we'll get more at live. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I did see, and I should have mentioned this. You know, Magic has done this, or Wizards has done this with Magic, this secret layer stuff where they drop like we've seen The Walking Dead and some other you know tie-ins and stuff i guess the next secret layer or one of the more recent ones coming up is going to be from the DD animated series so i thought that was kind of like, interesting and like i guess the old um, one yeah yeah and i guess wizards recently had has done a live stream where you could watch the entire animated series oh so i remember watching that when i was younger but i i don't remember anything about it it's bad Oh, I'm sure it is. It's like going back and watching Kindred the Embraced. I I did not even know that existed, but... Oh, well, we're about to jump to Onyx. Oh, there it is, Nolan. Thank you. <laughs> we're about to jump to Onyx Path, so we'll just talk about Kindred the Embraced right there. So, speaking of Onyx Path, on J Friday, July 9th, Onyx Path announced the delay of their latest Kickstarter, Squeaks in the Deep, for Pugmire and Monarchies of Mal. Uh, Onyx Path stated it was due to circumstances beyond their control and that they are working to get the okay from Kickstarter to go live. That's all the details they gave. Uh, they didn't say anything else. You know, that secret layer actually looks pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the pictures, and I'm like, all right, that looks kind of fun. <laughs> all right enough of that uh, onyx path didn't go into any detail about why uh they, they had to delay it. they just said it was circumstances beyond their control uh that they are working to get that posted live as quickly as they can just taking a step away from uh community um crowdsourcing sorry crowdfunding onyx path decided to do a pre-sale of the Rich Bastard's Guide to Magic for Mage the Ascension 20th Anniversary Edition they said they're trying it new by not putting this on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. They wanted to see how it would be received as a presale in PDF format through DriveThruRPG. Uh, there is, of course, a link in the show notes to this product if you're a Mage fan. The cost of the PDF is $14.99. You will get the pre-release PDF, so to speak, so where it, it's like out for a rata. Onyx Path does a great job of having people take a look at their PDFs and make suggestions, or I should say corrections, uh, and then send them back and they then make those uh, corrections. Uh, again, the cost is $14.99. I believe possibly there'll be a POD option on that once they get Paradox's approval, because Paradox still owns World of Darkness stuff. Uh, but I did think this was kind of interesting, and I'm curious what you guys think of you know going from crowdsourcing to a pre-release sale. 
Uh, Zach, we'll start with you. I'm going to start with it by saying that I think it's interesting. I mean, business is business. Um, I, su- I support Onyx Path because they are in a creative part of the market, but they're still a business. And so I do think it's strange that they're not doing Kickstarter because it's been so successful for them. But also, I mean, they probably don't need to. And this might be a chance for them to just get things out much faster without the campaign by just like, hopefully they're just like giving the artists and the author just be like, hey, just make this, get it out, then we'll send it. And so pipelining quicker, less, getting things out quicker with less pomp and circumstance, I think is also a good idea. I can't imagine that this will be the path forward, though. I mean, I think they'll be using Kickstarter for forever. Nolan, what do you think? I think it probably depends. They've got to be making that decision based upon something. Um, And it seems like a fairly consistent thing is they've struggled with stuff getting hung up at the printer. And it's hard to say if maybe they're having issues with people saying, well, we want to do this. This is going to be the printing thing. We'll let you know when the Kickstarter's done, um, how many we need or whatever. Versus this area, you know, these are this is the pre-sale. Uh, we sold two hundred fifty. This is what we need. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it just helps with that kind of stuff. As you know, if we were going to do a T-shirt or something like that, it'd be like, hey, let's put up the design. How many people want it? Because I'm not going to print five thousand of them and twenty five people want it. Uh, yeah. So maybe there's something there. I, I do feel like a lot of their hangups in the past of delays have been through printing, and so that might be this might be a way around to like you said get content faster because you're not bogging down normal stuff so who knows i would wager you're both probably right and so another thing that i actually just thought of as we're sitting here talking about is you know zach you made the comment of getting content out faster you know when they do their kickstarters obviously the kickstarters are fairly successful right you know they they ask mm-hmm. for twenty thousand, they get 90 100 300 400 whatever Right. And as a result of that, we see all these books that come out in succession because of that Kickstarter. Great example is uh, Cults of the Blood God. We had um, the Book of Bone and Ash, as well as uh, the Children of the Blood, both supplements to Cults of the Blood Gods that came out. My th- question or what I'm wondering is, is by saying, OK, we're just going to do the Rich Bastard's Guide to Magic. We're not going to worry about any ancillary products as part of that. We're just going to focus on this book. Does this allow them to be more concise? with their stuff instead of saying, well, we may be able to give you another job if this, you know, funds at this level. Instead, now they're saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to contract you for this one book. And then if we feel like we want to move forward with another one, we'll do it. I wonder sometimes like if they hit just enough to publish a book, but it wasn't quite enough for it to be profitable. And maybe this is a way to look at that saying, okay, like Rich, Rich Bastard's Guide to Magic could have been a supplement that was potentially coming out with the technocracy reloaded I, I mean obviously i have no idea and i'm wondering is is this just a way for them to put out a book without having to say well if we hit this mark we're going to do it and then lose money because they hit just the bare minimum make money off the stretch goal not have it be a bonus yeah. right exactly that because makes sense. had that been part of the stretch goal for um technocracy reloaded i would have already received it because i backed technocracy reloaded right um, yeah. And, and I would have gotten the PDF. Now, I'm the kind of person, especially when it comes to the vampire books, that I do the POD for the other stuff. And speaking of POD, that could be why also, you know, we we saw what we talked a couple of weeks ago about drive through upping their costs of PODs. It could be that the printing costs have gotten such that Onyx Path is like, listen, it is not profitable for us to do this when only like Nolan said, we printed 5000 books, but only 3000 of them or 2000 of them were sold and we lost our ass printing these books. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I I don't have a problem with it. It's been rough out there. 
It I don't is. know. Getting books has been particularly difficult, oddly enough. Global pandemic. Like, who knew yeah. it would affect, you know, everything. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's you mentioned that because I looked at the project update section in the Monday meeting notes, uh, and I did see that three of the books that I backed over two years ago are sitting at press. And they've been sitting there for a couple of months now. Uh, some of them, who knows? I'm not sure what's going on. I suspect by the end of the summer, I'll see three books, maybe. Who knows? I've seen it sat at, sit at the printer for four or five months before it finally got delivered. Uh, and I don't fault Onyx Path for that at all. You know, they're like I said, I've said in the past, they're really great about communication, letting people know what's going on. When you send it to the printer, you're at the mercy of the printer. Mm -hmm. That is all the news I saw for Onyx Path. Um, like I said, the the squeaks in the deep is delayed for now. I don't know when that's going to go live. I would imagine if you're a fan of those games, Pugmire uh, and Monikers of Mal, that might be one that you want to keep an eye out for. So just keep an eye on Onyx Path's website and their Facebook page to learn more. Let's bounce over to Modifius real quick because they just announced a new source book for Conan Adventures in the Age Undreamed of titled The Exiles. Uh, this source book is currently available on DriveThruRPG and will add elements of the survival video Video gaming Conan Exiles. Have we heard of this game? I'm aware of it. Oh, you are cool. Colin, I think are you? honestly, I think its biggest claim to fame is that it had nudity. Oh, well, great. <laughs> just uh, I, I I don't know what to say about that. Just if you wanted your character to be rolling around swinging pipe, they could. Good grief. Okay, cool. Um, so it says it's bringing some of those survival, uh, some of those elements of the video game to the tabletop, including uh, crafting base and city building and survival mechanics, along with new archetypes, backgrounds, talents, equipments, and monsters. Once again, the cost of this PDF is $14.99 on DriveThruRPG or $36 for the traditional print book on Modifius's website. There is again a link to the game or to the uh, drive through RPG site uh, in the show notes. You know, Nolan, that's actually, we've talked a lot about the Conan game. That's one that we probably should just, because I have the core rule book, we should take a look at that one itself. Probably, yeah. I know you're you're kind of a fan of Conan. Zach, are you a fan of Conan at all? I'm a pretty big fan of Conan. All right, well, there you have it. We're going to do a Conan show. <laughs> you know what, I think... I th I think they've done a good job with like the Conan Exiles thing of just plopping you down in a world uh, and then just letting it be free form. And I, I don't know. I wish more games would kind of do that kind of stuff. And I'm curious about, I don't know. I'm curious about seeing it, some of that stuff carry over to, I feel like crafting and, you know, base building and stuff like that is very skipped over, I guess, in D&D a lot. So maybe having a good base rule to make it better uh, will, will be a good thing for more people to check out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I do think the Conan game in and of itself looks really good. And I know Modifius has kind of gotten their ass kicked for Vampire the Masquerade. But I, I, I do want to say that there are a lot of other games that Modifius has their hands in. And those are really good games. They do a great job with them. Like I've personally looked at um, like the Star Trek Adventures books, which are very well done. Um, I've looked at the Conan book, which is very well done. I've looked at Octung Cthulhu, again, a very well put together book. So I, I do think these are books that are worth looking at. And I think Conan is just that that it's just interesting enough. The setting is cool enough that warrants more looking at. So, yeah, that's something we'll be doing in the future. I didn't see a lot else for uh, for Modifius. So let's bounce over to Chaosium, who has a huge Kickstarter going on right now in honor of their 40th anniversary of the Call of Cthulhu RPG. Call of Cthulhu was released in 1981, which, so, wow. yeah, <laughs> I know, it predates both of you. And this Kickstarter is, is pretty, I was looking at it, 
I almost backed it. I, I genuinely did. I was taking a look at it. I'm like, well, maybe I should back this. But then I thought, no, because I don't play Call of Cthulhu. Uh, it would definitely be a just because thing. And I don't need to do anymore just because. How, uh, let's see. The Kickstarter, they are at, the initial ask was for $20,000. they are sitting at $374,986. It says, um, what's in the box? Uh, like all Chaos and Box games, it starts with what's in the box sheet, which tells you what items are included in the classic box or classic one box set. There's multiple tiers to this. Uh, so you get the original Call of Cthulhu rulebook. Now, this is like the original stuff. This isn't like the updated version of the game. So you get the original Call of Cthulhu rulebook, a source book for the 1920s, a world map, character sheets, character silhouettes that can be cut apart and used to show the position of your investigator. And then box two contains five supplements, the Shadows of Yog sothoth the Asylum and Other Tales, Cthulhu Companion, Tales of... Wow, I thought I was pretty good at pronouncing these, but I'm going to stop right there. And then Fragments of Fear. Uh, so when you do your buy-in, obviously there's multiple levels of which you can buy in at uh, to get the, the the PDFs. If you actually wanted to get the actual book it's or the books themselves, it's $40 for the first box. $49 gets you a full digital set. Uh, and then $99 gets you, uh, what is it, classic two box to set. So $100 gets you the whole setup. Uh, and then, of course, there's more that goes on from there. Interestingly, the $249 level is all gone. 200 backers jumped in on that and sucked it all up. <laughs> so, yeah, that is out in about. There is a link in the show notes if you wanted to check out that Kickstarter. Uh, I, Call of Cthulhu is, a, I think, a, an amazing game, an amazing genre. I have a quick start for the most recent edition. One of these days, I'm just going to say, okay, you guys are going to come over for D&D &D and we're just going to pass out different character sheets and say, guess what? We're playing Call of Cthulhu today. <laughs> Try to keep your sanity. Yeah, Good luck. Exactly. And just not tell right it. Gents, that is all the news I found for this week. Did you guys, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything uh, that we need to talk about? Nah, I for tabletop. Uh, new season of Diablo 3 is coming out the 23rd. That looks really fun and ridiculous. Uh, bringing back a couple of things or a thing from Diablo 2. And then I know there's uh, a bunch of video games, like some MMOs getting ready to launch as well. Uh, that new world from Amazon is just around the corner. I think it's yeah. the first part of August. Uh, so a lot of little bits of hype out there uh, starting to push through. So cool. Yeah. Maybe Amazon will actually release a video game. One of their studios will. Well, it's, yeah, it's close. It's August 1st or something like that. I know there's something been some like interesting that. complaints about the cash shop uh, and that kind of stuff, but that's, we'll see how it goes. Like Amazon needs to have a pay to win model. But. Well, that would fit with their CEO's business model. That's fair. That's fair. Well, then let's jump into our topic. Oh, no, he retired. Yeah, well, let's jump into our topic, which, of course, is Changing the Dreaming 20th Anniversary Edition. Now, I did send you guys the PDF so you could take a look at this. We're not going to dive too deep into, like, the kiths and, and character creation side of, of Changing right now. We're going to mostly talk about the themes and, like, your initial thoughts as you guys have looked through this book. Now, I've had the opportunity to have played Changing when it first came out many, many years ago. Uh, generally, I think it was around 1996. So Changing was maybe two years old at the time. Changing is the fourth game if i'm not mistaken in the world of darkness line with wraith being the fifth it is a, a real it's interesting when you put it next to the other world of darkness books because they all look very grim and dark and changeling is bright and not looks doesn't look as dark but then when you read it you're like 
All right, this is actually a pretty dark game. There's there's definitely some sadness that comes along with this game. So I'm going to stop before I go too deep. Uh, I will say that the the opportunity I had to play Changeling was a fucking blast. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in an RPG while moving the story forward as I have when playing Changeling. It is just so much fun. So I'm going to stop there and and we're going to go around the the table, so to speak. Nolan, we'll start with you and and your initial thoughts when you first looked at this book and and your flip through it. Go ahead. So I think in the, the big scheme, I will say that I have zero interest, I think, in Changeling. Not anything I would ever normally pick up or want to look at. Uh, just based upon the fact that it didn't take any of the boxes that I'm familiar with. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to like this, but you know, this is why we do this stuff is to get out of our comfort zone and see some things that we haven't seen before. So looking through it, uh, you know, the first couple pages of it, I'm like, okay, I've, I've heard some of this before. I feel like I've seen this done before. Um, and then as I kind of saw through it, uh, I didn't realize how much of a, maybe not necessarily this had an influence, but how much this stuff is already out there. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Netflix series by, uh, what's his name? Guillermo del Toro, who did uh, the last, the last troll hunter and the Arcadia story. And it deals with trolls. And I never looked at trolls as fake creatures. It was always D and D trolls. And so now it starts to make more sense. There are actual changelings in there. There's a group of trolls that want to bring about eternal darkness uh, they start bringing in some King Arthur lore there with like Merlin for some wizards. And so just kind of seeing that side of it and and that influence, um, I did play like the Kingdoms of Amular series and it deals with the Unseelie courts uh, and, and the Fae and the Winter Court and that kind of stuff. So I thought all that was really cool. I, I still haven't been through it enough to, it's one of those games where it's like, okay, I can make a character, but until I see it. I don't know what you're supposed to do where it's pretty simple of like, I'm a fighter, I'm going to go get paid or I'm going to slay the dragon or I'm going to save this here where this here seems a lot more complex and political. And at the same time, a little lighthearted, depending on what fay you choose to kind of be. I don't know after the first look through that it's something I want to play as much as I really want to create them as a set of bad guys in a 5e campaign um, where you're able to very few people can actually see through them uh you know types of when you actually see you know there's this town or whatever and they're trying to do this thing and you know the wizard happens to have true sight and sees you're like they're all monsters like they're all you know they're, they're trying to do all this stuff and it might be for it all sounds right on the right thing but they're trying to do something sinister i don't know it, it just kind of it went to this realm of you could really mess with people and try and get to a point where you can't trust what you see. The other, and my final thought on it, and cause I can ramble forever is, um, I found it incredibly sad. I think, uh, from a standpoint of losing everything and then going to this mortal host type situation. And then some of them just don't wake up and they just don't ever come back. And, you know, you could, I don't, I don't know if you could, you know, be on an outsider and and see somebody and you're just waiting for them to wake up if it was like a past person you cared about or something like that but it just it seemed kind of tragic and then it was like okay so they're immortal why would they care but you have this real risk of not waking up on your next you know the next leap might be your final leap right type situation so i found that stuff really sad and, and it kind of made that motivation of you know, why they would make a power play to try and live longer or preserve life, or you actually have something to lose. I mean, as being air quotes, immortal, but not type situation. So th those were my takeaways from it. I'm looking forward to reading more, but as somebody that didn't want to look at it, I'm happy I did. And 
I've enjoyed reading it. So if you if you're a hater or something like that, that that's not for me. Uh, at least give it a shot. There's always something to walk away from it. But it's it's good. Zach. So I would just like to to say this is based on the research I was doing. But there's this changeling and like the changeling the whatevers all together. And this was made by the people from World of Darkness. But this one is not in the World of Darkness. They did release one called Changeling the Lost that is. That's actually not correct. That's not true? So okay. you, Changeling the Lost is Chronicles of Darkness. And Changeling okay. the Dreaming is one of the, like I said, it is the fourth in the World of Darkness game line. So okay. it does, so it I was is having... in the World of Darkness. Okay, I was having some confusion. I'd actually read Changeling the Lost, and I was just like, so I was going through this one, and I was like, wait, what? And so I was, that was my fault. That's what I was confused on. Also, this one's going to sound really, really petty, but they refer to a lot of elves as elves. I, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I think when you read mythology, because that's, uh, and, and, and again, this is where White Wolf pulls upon real world information and makes a game out of it, which is why we see the, the stuff that we do in Werewolf and in Mage and in Vampire, because they very much pull upon history. Changeling is very much pulling on mythology. And depending on what mythology they pulled from is you're going to see different spellings of elves. Well, here's the thing. Elves with the V live in Middle Earth because Tolkien is the first person to do that. He changed the spelling. Okay. If we're talking about historical myths and creatures, it's elves. Same with dwarfs. I had no idea. And, and this is, <laughs> I just got educated. I'm being, I'm being intensely petty. Uh, that's fine. You're the librarian. Superficially, so. <laughs> insanely petty. That's, but you know, that, that goes right back to in mage, they always spell magic in my M A G G I C K. Now, yeah, normally we see magic spelled with a C, right? But when you're actually talking about witchcraft and things like that, it should be spelled with a K. And so kudos yeah. to them for getting that right. However, with elves and dwarves, apparently they fucked that up. But, but this this elf thing, you know, it's just zero out of ten. Unreadable. It's got Zach pissed off. <laughs> All right. So aside from that. No. I'll, OK. All, all jokes aside. Also, languages change and now they're just elves and dwarves. I'll shut up now. All jokes aside. And I'm going to need you to bear with me on this one because it's, it's kind of like it's a hot take. If you wanted to play Cats, the musical, the tabletop RPG game. You want to play Changeling? No. That's that's modern. That's yeah, Pugmire. like no, because Pug, no, Pugmire is about you know going on adventures. All like, right, go ahead and explain your cat. Changeling is about changeling is about like existing in a semi magical state. Okay, while you inhabit this hidden world that only you and select others know about, while the real world goes on about you. Well, and, fucking hell, Zach. Like. If you want to, like, I, I agree with Nolan, like, it is very political, and I'm not sure if this is a game that I really would like to play. Um, but I do appreciate that this game is out there for those kind of people, and I think if you go into this game and it's like, yeah, there's some bad guys and they're trying to, like, blow up the something which will then lead to the other bad thing happening. Like, I don't think changeling is going to be the game for you, but if you wanted to play something, which is about 
losing your youth when you shouldn't be. And suddenly you wake up and you're like, you know, my last, the last time I did this thing, you know, I was like, everything was just fine. I was still quick. I was still snappy. I was still doing all of this stuff. And then suddenly I woke up on my seventh life and I'm just old. Like how the whole point of Vampire the Masquerade is that you should never have to feel that. You're eternally whatever. You know, Dungeons and Dragons, it doesn't come into play. Like, Call of Cthulhu, if your character makes it past two sessions, like, you did good, son. Like, this is a weird thing to try and play. You're, and you're not wrong. There's a, sense of, there's a sensibility in here that I haven't read in other tabletop RPGs. Like, I want to play the game where you get to jump down the dragon's throat and then explode out the side of it, and then the dragon explodes. And not you, too. Right. Yeah, so, like... A couple years back when when Mummy the Curse was being produced, when that Kickstarter was going on, we had writer Jason Inchowskis on our show, and he was telling us all about Mummy. And he had told me that he worked on um, uh, a novella for Changeling 20th Anniversary Edition. And I was curious enough about it, so I I went and picked it up. It was on sale one day through DriveThruRPG. So I picked it up, and I was reading through it, and I read Jason's story. And he's writing about dragons, which don't necessarily exist in Changeling. And he's writing about Apuka, who is convinced that he has seen this dragon, who's telling his best friend, who's also a Changeling, that he's seen this dragon. And nobody will believe him because, well, Apukas lie. That's what they do. And like his mom, who has no idea that he's a fairy, won't believe him either. And anyway, the story goes on where he is a dragon and this dragon is out there fighting this very banal creature that they're trying to protect other changelings from. And the story, as you read through it, there's this big epic fight and the dragon is, is injured. He's injured in such a way that the, the wound has so much banality in it that it, it chases the changeling away from him. And when he looks at the, the puka, he looks at him, he's like, and who are you? And it's, it is so sad when you read that story, you're just like, oh my God, because you have this buildup, right? This real, this great, and Jason did a great job writing it. This great excitement of, oh my gosh, he's found these dragons. He's telling the truth. He's going to go fight this. Oh, what the fuck just happened? You know, they won, but they didn't win. And it is, it is absolutely beautiful. And I, I highly recommend you guys read it, especially just to get a good understanding of Changeling in and of itself. Because the game is, you know, when it, when it first came out, um, I picked it up because I was, as you guys should know by now, I'm kind of a completionist. And it was the first, you know, of the books. And I was like, I really want to see what this book is about. And I wasn't that interested in it because it seems so lighthearted. It seems so, I don't know, just different from what I had read with the World of Darkness. And then I had a friend of mine convince me to play. And yeah, yeah, it was a lighthearted game. It was fun. It, we laughed a lot, but it was increasingly sad. And, and it's you explore things in an RPG that you just that I had never explored before. In Vampire, I'm fighting to live longer. And in, in Werewolf, I'm I know I'm gonna die young, but I'm fighting to make sure the world's a better place. In DD, well, I'm just fighting because I want all the treasure. In Changeling, it's completely different. And it's it's it is sad. And, and, and I just think it's, I don't know, I think it's a beautiful game. And I think the book is fantastically laid out. I do want to mention just a couple of, of terms, because these are going to be things that people will hear us talking about as we move through this session or through these 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 um, episodes. And these are banality is the first one I want to talk about, because that's going to come up a lot. Uh, banality is an entropic force that opposes glamour. And I'll mention that in a second. While useful to keep them rooted in reality, high levels are dangerous to, to changelings. 
jumping down to glamour, glamour is what fuels the magic of the changeling. It's the stuff of dreams, stuff of inspiration, pure creativity. Changelings use glamour to work their magic and remain connected to the, their fey heritage. Uh, there's a lot of other terms, and Onyx Path does a great job of including like a, 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 a glossary of terms, if you will, at the beginning of their book. Uh, so it's it's definitely worth you know just kind of looking at some of those and i just wanted to make sure that people knew you know some of those terms because those are probably going to be the ones that come up the most Seely and unsealy are the different courts within the fey world tiernanok is like the main um if i remember correctly the main place where they're from uh changeling draws a lot on celtic mythology a whole lot on celtic mythology so if you're familiar with celtic mythology a lot of this stuff is going to feel very similar to you i mean leprechauns are changed or are, are fairy creatures right they're changelings yeah clernicans i think they're called in this one i i don't remember yeah so and, and i know this is just kind of an initial look um i will say that as someone who had the exact same thoughts as both of you like i'm not sure this is a game for me i would say if you get if you get a chance and someone says hey nolan you got a couple of hours i got characters made i want you to sit down and try this game you know a two-hour session I think you would walk away from this game, maybe not ever playing it again, but you would definitely walk away from the game going, all right, that is not what I expected. And that game's a lot better than I realized. Well, I think, like I said, for me, it's one of those things of I need to see, I don't know, I haven't gotten to like the monster section or anything like that or or the conflict section, right? Like I, I need to see what the what or the why are they fighting for? You know, vampire, like you said, you have those very clear things of what you're fighting for or what your goals are. And I need to see you like that. I think that's where I that I'm looking forward to is just trying to see why do I want to do this? What, what, you know, what is different than us just getting together and, you know, having a mission or having a goal or whatever. So I, I got another, I got another hot take and you're just going to have to just roll with me. If you wanted to play rent the musical, the tabletop RPG changeling is what you would play. <laughs> exactly. Zach's got all sorts of hot takes today. You know, because it's a game where uh, you start off with like all these friends and you're all hip and young and cool and you're living for the art. Also, Rent the Musical, the movie is awful and no one should watch it. And the next thing you know, that guy who was the most hardcore, who was your biggest friend and your biggest supporter, is putting on a suit and working for a television company in the marketing department. And he's telling you that, you know what, guys, you have you have to start paying rent and you have to be like, why? When did you become this grump, man? Like. Like, I want to live like I want to shoot without a script because I'm awful. Everyone in rent is awful. Zach is. But that was also. (laughs) But that was also kind of the point. Yeah. That you have a bunch of young people who are living for the now who cannot see past their own privilege no matter how bad they have it in comparison to people around them who actually do have it bad. Right, right. And, like, you can't... I don't think you can do that in Dungeons & Dragons. I don't think you can do that in Vampire, for sure. Probably not. Because because there's a different kind of selfishness in Vampire. Right, it's completely different. Yeah, it's it's survival at like survival becomes so important that literally nothing else matters. You just have to make it to the next day. But in changeling, I think you're kind of supposed to be self-absorbed 
and to play someone who is young and making mistakes and have that not be a character choice, but the primary gameplay loop. You know, it's interesting as you we look at the World of Darkness games and we we try to identify like I, I have yet to play Mage, right? And I and I struggle a little bit with Mage because it's like, what are you always what are you fighting? What, what's the end game, right? And just like Nolan said about Changeling. Wraith is the same way. Like I got to play Wraith once and it wasn't well done. And I think we only played for like an hour and it was like, all right, this is dumb because you don't know what you're doing. And this is again, when Wraith first came out werewolf, it's very clear. You're fighting the worm. You are, I mean, if you want to play hack and slash in the world of darkness, you're going to play werewolf. Cause that's, that's really where you're going to play the big badass who goes and kills shit. Uh, and, and vampire again, it's, it's fairly clear. It's all about survival and in controlling your humanity. Changeling and, and Wraith are a lot different and even Mage because I just haven't seen it. So I, I don't think those are things that should be discounted. And I think that's a very valid point, Nolan, that it's hard to say if you like the game because you're not really sure what the game is or how it should be. Yeah, I want to I would like to, I don't know, maybe read an adventure that somebody's written on it and kind of see because for me, it feels like like for 80, maybe 90 percent of the changing population, they just kind of do their thing. Like you said, like rent, like they just survive. Um, but when, when the, the world altering event happens, the ones that step up, they get to tell the story, you know, and it's probably the same thing of like, if you look at D and D and you're just like, all right, you live in water deep and you run a tavern, what the hell do you do? You're like, well, you know, so-and-so raided the town and now you're roped in this defense and now you're, you know, kidnapped and, and, and all of a sudden this commoner goes on this journey. I can see that here. One of the, the movies they referenced in there was Princess Mononoke. And I thought, I was like, okay, you know, what if it is that type of global thing? What if it is the thing of like the final spirits are being wiped out by whatever, and this is your thing and, and you have to stop, you know? So it's, I think it's one of those things of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the only adventures that are told are the big realm altering adventures. Cause maybe you're not supposed to just be tavern keeper, Joe, you know, running the place in Waterdeep, and well how do we do today what was the profits you know it's like well no a bunch of thugs showed up and broke some stuff and then it started a thing and now you pissed off so and so and and you made an enemy and now you know i mean it, it you know start small go big and i just need to i want to see i can envision the world ending worm showing up to devour everything it's getting to that point right like what what do i do at level one like you know what do we, what, you know, we in the park frolicking, like, you know what I mean? Like, like that's the first thing I was like, ah, frolic. <laughs> you know, to check it out, listen to this new jam, you know, like, I, I don't know. And right. so that's the thing is I, I want to see get roped in and it kind of be one of those things. Cause I would, you know, I would think it would be fun with like the, the somewhat the reincarnation or stuff like that, you know, like being a troll. And then all of a sudden, like, there's no conflict. Last time I was around, it was this. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're Wolfgar the barbarian who doesn't have shit to do. You like, you just want me to, you know, you're fat Thor now, right? Like, you're just like, right. there's no conflict, right? You're just a pathetic guy dominating people on Call of Duty. And like, this is my existence. I need that to, to go forward. So I think there is potential. And again, I think it's as we as we jump into it more and see some of the conflict. And, and like I said, it, it started a lot of wheels turning for me where I could put it into other games and playing some of it of, you know, somehow some person, you know, I think the last troll hunter, the, there is a troll that sides with dark forces and wants to bring about eternal night and take it back over to the way it used to be. And other people are fighting and struggling to preserve the balance. 
So I can, I can see that Princess Mononoke, the spirits of, you know, the spirits of the forest have been clear cut and they're out and now they're pissed and they're infecting people by trying to fight that way. So I, th I think I can see it in the examples. I just need to see it in the book. That's fair. I think we will. I do like the, I'd like the idea of rolling up a red cap rolling. I'm still using D and D term and then just be like, what do you do? How do yeah. I roll to bully people? Like, or just eat like, stuff. Like, what do you, I guess I'm going to, all right. Everyone else is rolling to frolic. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to eat this park bench, I guess. <laughs> that sounds good. I'm uh, I'm going to play that kid enjoying his ice cream cone. It's mine now, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Uh, so as as typical in the world of darkness, they tend right. to include things so you can draw inspiration to see, you know, give your get your, wrap your head around some of this stuff. So and, then, and keep in mind, this is changing 20th anniversary edition came out, out a couple years ago. So some of the stuff that they mentioned is basically anything by Neil Gaiman, which I can completely agree with. It's yeah, well, especially sad, Stardust man. and Neverwhere, it says. Uh, the latter of which features a hidden London where urban legends and fairy tales are real and average man's attempt to make sense of the world that has drawn him in. Fairy Tale by Raymond Feist, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell by mm -hmm. Susan, Susanna Clark. The Phantom Tollbooth, which was an amazing book uh, by Norton Jester. Uh, for games involving the Canaan or that skew further into urban fantasy, the October Day series by Seanan McGuire. I'm probably saying that name wrong. If you want to look at movies, obviously The Dark Crystal, uh, Labyrinth, The Neverending Story, The Secret of Roan Einish. And of course, and, and I think this is definitely more recent and probably more people would understand this is Pan's Labyrinth. And then I don't know why I'm completely drawing a blank on it, but uh, the Amazon show with uh, Orlando Bloom, what's it called? Carnival Row is 100% changeling. I, if it's not, if they can't, if they don't admit that they've drawn influence from the game, they're, they're full of shit. In television shows that examine the concept of fairy tales existing alongside humans, of course, Grimm, Once Upon a Time, and Lost Girl. And it says for a less literal take on changeling themes, the Japanese shows uh, Hikaronin Sentai, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> and of course, uh, Princess Mononoke, as Nolan had said. And then in video games where you can draw some inspiration is uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, the longest and the longest journey. And it says why they don't necessarily fit in the deep. That's a man, deep I'm just cut. reading from the book, man. It says why they don't necessarily fit the theme of yeah. changeling games like Ico, Shadow of the Colossus and Nights into Dreams are excellent inspiration uh, for the visual and feel of stranger parts of the dreaming. And I'm sure we could sit here and talk a lot about other things like uh, other things that we've seen. Carnival Row being a big example of that. Pan's Labyrinth is another great example. And if you are a fan of True Blood, which is uh, she is Charlene Harris has 100 percent admitted that True Blood is, you know, pulled from the world of darkness you see some of that interaction between fey and vampires and werewolves with suki being half fey and the like in the game changeling fairy blood is very addicted to or addictive for vampires and it's something that they once they realize it's there they will hunt out so and we saw that a lot in um uh, true blood so that's another one that you can draw some influence on it's i was gonna say it's funny that, that they have pan's labyrinth in there because again you know it's like okay i can see that and then he he did uh, right. the last troll hunter, so apparently he really enjoys it. So uh, if you get it, if you get a chance, that's yeah, yep. It's a good series, and, and I think I want to. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again after we we go through this, just so I can see more of it. But I, like I said, I, I think there was a lot of stuff that I assumed I knew and I didn't, and I don't. I don't think it'll be that way once we get into it, but. I think next week we should take a look at the kiths, learn about the different types of changelings, and we'll talk about those. Maybe I think there's, I can't remember exactly how many, seven to nine, somewhere around there. 
we'll each take a couple and just kind of break them down. Um, yeah, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, I do think I, I, I do think it's going to be one of those where you may never want to play it, but you're at least going to walk away from it having a better understanding and probably a better liking of the game once we're done. Or not, you know, at the very least, be able to see it when other people use it as inspiration, right? I think that'll be the same thing. Like, oh, okay, this is some changing stuff. Then you bring it back around and you're like, yeah, you know, Carnival Row could be a fun campaign. You could be a detective and there could be Faye getting murdered and, you know, whatever, you know, now it's an investigation. I think you just heard Zach with that. I don't know why Zach just went, oh my gosh. No, I, I, I had a thought come to me. You always need to roll roll with me on this one. If you wanted to play the greatest showman, colon, the musical, colon, the tabletop RPG game. Changeling yeah. is the game. Yeah, for I absolutely you. could see that one. Instead of that, it's no different than how D and D games, right? You're all members of a circus, and weird stuff happens. I just, like, I mean, it's not like the bearded lady and some contortionists. It's like a yeah. troll. Yeah, and exactly. A um, I will now that I'm thinking about it. I'm going to send you guys that novel that that collection of short stories from Changeling uh, from the Changeling 20th anniversary edition. Even if you pick one or two stories and just read those before we talk next, because they're fairly short. Uh, I think it'll give you a better understanding of number one, what what you can do in Changeling and just what Changeling's all about. So I'll get that sent to you guys today. Well, cool. Perfect. Anything else, guys, before we wrap up? Into it. Yeah, now, now just, Zach's now just, just going off. Musicals that you can play <laughs> well, through you know, in Changeling. If you want to play musicals, if you want to do, if you wanted to do a musical, the tabletop RPG, I think (laughs) I will say, uh, so I, there's a song puff, the magic dragon, right. And Nolan had touched on the whole growing up aspect and, and losing and changing really reminds me of when you do grow up in, as you know, you're told not to be a child anymore. Don't, don't use your imagination as much anymore. You know, you start to move away from those things, right? Your brain is less imaginative and more analytical, so to speak. And in the song Puff the Magic Dragon, that's exactly what we see. We see Jackie Paper who grows up and no longer goes and sees Puff and he no longer does that. Winnie the Pooh is the same way. Christopher Robin grows up and no longer needs that. So it's, it's. I think these are another couple of examples of, of the sadness that is changeling when we see, you know, they grow out of it and they never are able to tra- tap into the dreaming anymore. And that side of them is just locked away forever. Makes it very sad. All right. On that note, that is our yeah. show for this week. <laughs> Join us next week as we continue to bring you down as we talk about the kits of changing the dreaming. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Have a good one, guys. Cool. 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 Thanks for uh, being understanding and getting this done this week, guys. No problem. I'm I'm glad you're safe. Hope everyone was okay.